0: hey welcome back to musings of a black bipolar activist this is lucy Uh, we're continuing the color of compromise we're going to be doing chapters seven and eight uh discussion and uh i think chapters seven and eight is where we really start getting into um really start getting into the meat of how christianity weaves into uh race and the complicity of racism in the church. So the chapter starts, chapter seven starts with talking about the world's Columbian exhibition. That was the very first one was in 1893 and it celebrated the anniversary of the, the arrival of Columbus in America. Uh, it is important to note that this took place in Chicago, Illinois which is a northern state northern city um but the black people were um black people were not allowed to attend the world's Columbian exhibition they were actually uh relegated to a different day Uh, and it was very racist just not only because it was segregation but they called it colored american day uh, and they promised 2,000 watermelons for all of the participants. Now, watermelon is a uh, has become a racist icon uh, because of things like this uh, and the myth of black people just eat watermelon, associate watermelon with black people. Um, which, if that's a stereotype, I will gladly take it because Watermelon is delicious um but things like that like watermelon becomes like a racist pond in um in the whole racism catechism is that if that's the right word um and sixty nine fawn which were actually um Africans who were in territories that were um that that were invaded by french i don't want to say subtle french because they were basically the french invaded these countries um and so 69 of them were placed as exhibits where white people could just come and look at them and talk about how immensely ugly they were uh and how they were basically like animals in a zoo uh and so um when they mentioned that's that's that they mentioned a preacher named augustus tolton who was baptized catholic in missouri we're on a whole nother subject i'm sorry if that didn't that didn't uh register or i didn't do that that seamlessly going into the next subject but uh, augustus tolton was baptized catholic in missouri and he moved to the north as a child but when he became of age he could not attend seminary. So he was around 17, I think, 16 or 17, I think is what the, the book said. And they told him he could not attend seminary. Now, this is the Catholic church. They are basically saying black people are not allowed, which is huge segregation in the Catholic church. Um, so instead he saved up for 10 years to ascend, to attend seminary in Rome and came back to the United States and became the first black Roman Catholic priest. Now the priest who, or, or who placed him or ordained him said that if Catholics didn't like black, uh, priests, they sure were going to get one now, uh, which is very progressive of him to say. Uh, and then, uh, it, it, the Catholic church, I think the reason the things that the complicity of the the, the chapter, ah, the name of the chapter is the complicity, remembering the complicity of the North. And to hear about these Christian denominations uh, perpetuating the same stereotypes, the same racial divisions of the South uh, kind of blows up the story that the North was the safe place, the North was the in the right, uh, when really they were, just as much in the wrong as the South, they were just less overt about it. Okay, so they that's that's how the Catholics were. So then William J. Seymour, who I consider one of the fathers of the Pentecostal movement, was actually encouraged by a white mentor to go out and preach and like do the gospel. Now, William J. Seymour uh, started his own church because he believed in the speaking of tongues. A lot of people did not believe in that at that point. And so he became pretty a a radical preacher in that sense because he believed in speaking of tongues. And uh, it actually, uh, he actually started the Azusa Azusa Revivals eh, revivals in California, uh, which is very, very famous. Uh, A lot of people came to those, like, thousands. Um, However, when the Azusa revivals took off, like, thousands and thousands of people were coming. um, The white mentor that he had decided that the services were too similar to southern darky camp meetings. And the Pentecostal movement also became segregated on a national scale. So in like in small groups, it was okay to meet. But once it got big and like people were coming and people were intermingling, poor, uh, people with money, um, white, black, um, all of it, men, women, it became too much of a problem And the Pentecostal movement uh, just decided to be more segregated on a national scale. Um, Chapter 7 also talks about Pepperdine University that was founded on conservative ideals. uh, And, uh, but it still practiced segregation. So one of the big issues in the 50s and 60s and earlier was interracial relationships. Um, So Pepperdine University said that Black students could attend, but uh, Black men had to be married uh, and Black people were not allowed to stay on the dorms for fear of race mixing and having mixed children. Uh, Pepperdine University also had this um this ideal for years and years i think they only just stopped like in the 70s or 80s about their uh their uh rules about intermingling relation and in relationship um and uh so there was a lot a lot of the church was very complicit in racism and uh, going along with the ideals simply because of they believed in states' rights, uh, states should decide what they want to do. Um, but it wasn't all bad. There was a um, there was the religious and race conference in Detroit, and they were a um, group of interfaith people so catholics uh protestants methodists jews um like all faiths and they decided that they were going to come together to um come combat uh segregation and help uh get people middle class black people into housing um and greater, the Greater Detroit Committee specifically also advocated for fair housing practices and they wanted to help evade redlining. Redlining became an issue around uh, this time. At, and uh, let's see, what period are we in right now? Like the early 1900s, uh, when black people started getting land, uh, white people were uh, re- this the redistrict doing districts in a way that would keep white people together and separate the black people um and redlining is also still an issue uh and it is very damaging especially when we talk about politics and voting uh because people are restructuring the districts so that uh politicians can win um so anyway all this to say is that the emerge the american church encouraged white flight people like the religion and race conference in detroit and the greater detroit committee were anomalies they were not um they were not big proponents of integration um several uh, several universities that were popped up around this time uh Uh, uh, christian universities too um advocated for keeping people separate um mostly one of the big issues is interracial dating and marriage they wanted to stop mixed children from happening uh there is i think there still is a huge fear of black men uh and it was black people in general but black men in that they feel that Black men are the most likely to evade the race um, and cause damage, especially to white women. Uh, white women are treasured in this country. Um, and I, in my opinion, they're one of the most privileged groups in America because they are protected well. Um, and uh, we can discuss that uh, in another. but um the the point of a lot of these universities was to keep white women safe and the way to do that was to um not have black students interacting with the white students so that was chapter seven uh we're gonna go into chapter eight which uh which we talk more about like moderate uh christianity uh, and the moderate Christians. We still have a problem with moderate Christians today, I think, uh, but it it's not as overt as it was in the 1960s. So the decision of Brown versus the Board of Education divided Christians greatly. Uh, Brown versus the Board of Education is the... Um, Supreme Court case that shattered Plessy versus Ferguson, which basically says separate but equal is not actually equal. Uh, separate, separate segregation and separate uh, schools, hospitals, and all of that is not up to par to their white counterparts. And uh, I believe the Brown versus Board of Education was a unanimous vote. Uh, and uh, so... That's amazing. Um, However, there were people in the Christian faith uh, that uh, was mentioned in the book. Uh, One is G.T. Galypsy. And he said that even though Brown versus Board of Education uh, restricts segregation, he still felt that segregation was a biblical concept. And even though he admitted that nowhere in the Bible does it say segregation is good, he decided to instead reference to something called natural law, which is basically, he said, like, bluebirds and redbirds don't mix. Um, Hummingbirds hang out with hummingbirds. Um, He referenced the uh, different cloths, like in Leviticus, how Uh, wool and whatever other fabric you can't mix together and so he referred to natural law as why we should have segregation Um, and then the this is when we started talking about Billy Graham Uh, Billy Graham is mentioned in a couple chapters after this chapter eight which is compromising with racism during the civil rights movement Uh, and Billy Graham is considered a Christian moderate Um, and Christian moderates, I think are a big, big issue, uh, in the church and in society at large. Um, so Billy Graham said that, uh, he, 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 like, how do I want to say this? He put on a front of saying, integration is good uh like he he invited uh Dr. King before Dr. King was very famous to um to spray opening one of his uh I don't was it revivals that Billy Graham had well whatever his gatherings I'll say gatherings um but Billy Graham never explicitly Came out against integration. I mean, against segregation. Uh, he did at he did at one of his um, gatherings um, allow like took the rope separating the blacks and the whites. Uh, he he let them he took that away and basically said, if you separate them, I'm not going to speak. So he did things like small things like that, but he never like said segregation is wrong. Um, he never. Uh, basically had any strong opinions about segregation. Uh, He did small things like the removing of the rope every now and then. But I don't think he really understood how racism was so prevalent in the country. And so uh, the letter from a Birmingham jail is one of the most famous documents. Uh, Dr. King wrote it while he was in a Birmingham jail. And he talks about the Christian moderate. And, uh, the Christian moderate, he basically says is someone who is lukewarm where they say they want to evoke change, but don't do anything to evoke change. And I think that, uh, um, I think that the Christian moderate is more dangerous than the actual, Evangelical Christian, and I think it's because I consider moderate Christians as basically like a sheep in wolf's clothing, or a wolf in or, a sheep and wolf. Clo- Wait, what was it? A wolf in sheep's clothing. That's what it is. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, because moderate Christians don't know how to take a stand, and in not taking a stand it shows that you are basically um, complicit. Like if you are not taking a stand and you're basically saying, it's almost like not voting uh, or like, that's a good thing. We talk about Donald Trump a little bit in a, a couple chapters later, but the moderate Christian helped elect Donald Trump. And the way they did is because they were basically saying, well, he can I mean, he is saying racist things, but he does this. And I think you have to take stands as Christians. A lot of people, Christians is one of the most, is the one of the most famous, not famous, most popular religions in the world. And um, because of that, I think that they have a lot of influence and they should be more, um, they should take more of a stand which is basically what the letter from a Birmingham jail was about um and how he's talking about lukewarm people lukewarm Christians especially um and so during this time a lot of Christians felt that social change came best by interaction so um social change did not need to be um change through legislation it did not need to be changed through actual social change Uh, but it was best changed by me interacting with you the problem is there was segregation so there's not many opportunities for um, people to just hang out because a lot of people believed in segregation uh, a lot of white people who hung out with black people also were subject to violence. Um, most, most uh, notably, if they were, like protesting, or something like that. Um, but social social change can come by can can change by interaction. But I think you also need action in interaction. Uh, and so, um, during the Dr. King felt that like riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, and this is also a controversial statement because a lot of people during the black lives matter, recent black lives matter, um, demonstrations, uh, Dr. King's riot is the language of the unheard is, uh, quoted uh, a lot and moderate Christians we're going to go back to moderate Christians, moderate Christians and even, and like conservative evangelicals, all of that said that you have to read the rest of this, uh, letter. I think it was in a letter, um, to really get context of what he's talking about. And basically the, the context is that sometimes you have to be strong in your values and rioting is bad yes but the reason why people are rioting is is truthful in their beliefs so riot is the language of the unheard is basically saying rioting is when you get so fed up and nothing is changing and you eventually just explode which is what rioting is um however billy graham has said that there is no doubt that rioting, looting, and crime in America have a point of anarchy, or at a point of anarchy. So he did not believe that people who took matters into their own hands about their own social standing, he felt that that was pretty much overthrowing like law and order. And while I do not agree that uh, rioting is the best thing to do, um, I do believe that rioting is also the language of the unheard. Um, and uh, Dr. King and Billy Graham, they talk about the differences between Dr. King and Billy Graham a lot in this chapter. Um, and how Billy Graham's moderism, moderateism is in some ways dangerous um i also like going back to the sheep and wolf's clothing the wolf and sheep's clothing um it's dangerous um like for the watts riot the watts riot started because a um a couple of brothers were driving they were pulled over by the police uh the police kind of called for backup because people were watching this happened and more and more people were coming out of their houses uh and somehow rocks got thrown at the police officers and the riot started it lasted six days i believe uh, a lot of damage and uh dr king actually went to watts uh, to talk about the riots and um billy graham flew over uh, Watts. I did not know this, but Dr. King actually went in the gro- to the ground, boots on ground, went to Watts to talk about what was going on. Billy Graham decided to take a helicopter ride over the city of Watts. And, um, He basically said that it cannot be overlooked that this kind of disturbance is being used by those whose ultimate end is to overthrow the American government. Uh, That is a strong, strong statement coming from a Christian. Um, And it's also not really that moderate of a statement, it's kind of actually very conservative uh Billy Green Billy Graham is uh touted as this great minister uh and evangelist and how he liked everybody uh but the statement that it cannot be overlooked that this kind of disturbance is being used by those whose ultimate end is to overthrow the American government is troubling uh, it's uh i'd like to know your thoughts on that but i think that uh it has racist rhetoric in it like ingrained in it um and it also shows how ignorant he is on the reason people riot or the reason people are raising their voices to basically gain rights um so they also talk about how um during this time the nation of islam was founded and it it was founded because uh christianity was not the christian ministers were not taking strong stands on integration and uh, equality and so they started to form their own religions uh, or, or own um own like pockets of stuff in their religion so the nation of islam was formed uh, and they had a very strong pro-black stance Uh, the nation of islam is actually still around uh, and some people consider the nation of islam a terrorist group uh, because they are strong pro-black i think someone said that uh, louis farrakhan is a anti-semitic i'm not sure but it wouldn't surprise me if he was, because Nation of Islam is very pro-black and pro like so pro-black to the exclusion of others. Um and because Dr. King took such strong stances um against uh such strong stances against um segregation. Um, and the ways he supported segregation, a lot of evangelicals did not like Dr. King. Uh, That was actually news to me, um, because everybody considers Dr. King one of the greatest uh, humans who ever lived, even though he was flawed. But they consider him one of the greatest humans who ever lived. And to hear that a lot of evangelicals did not like Dr. King um, was surprising, Um, but it also speaks to, uh, going back to the moderate Christian where they just feel that love is, love is loving some, someone else. And that's how you change society is you go up to a person, you get to know them and boom, racism is gone. And that's not exactly how it works at all. I wish it was that way, uh, but it's not that way at all. All right. So we're going to close chapter eight and uh, I will see you in the podcast for chapter nine and 10. All right. Peace.